And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Mythbits. Welcome to the World of Misfits. I'm your host, Stephanie Barty, and I am on vacation. So I am just warning you now, I have nothing planned for this podcast because I am on vacation. I've been on vacation since Friday, and I'm on vacation until tomorrow, today, Monday. Um, so, yeah. And apparently last week I was a little off on the amount of episodes that I've done. This is episode 24. 24. Four, 24. Yes, 24. So I have been at this with or without a host, a co-host, for 24 episodes. Now, I can't say 24 weeks because there were a few weeks that I've missed here and there. Um, yeah, so 24 episodes. I pat myself on the back. My arms could bend that far back. So how y'all doing? Are you enjoying your March? For those of us here in Canada, we're now at the end of March break and all of the darling little kitties have gone back to school and every parent, at least every parent that I know, has breathed a sigh of relief at no longer having to find things to occupy the little darlings throughout the day. Because that can get uh, quite tiring, trying to figure out what the heck to do with them when it's still cold outside. There's still snow on the ground, so you can't tell them go outside, play in the dirt, because they got to dig down three feet to find the dirt first. Although that would keep them busy for a while. So the weather has also been up and down this week with rain and thunderstorms and snow and bitter cold temperatures and more snow and rain. And so it hasn't been conducive to having them outside. And then they're out there for five minutes and they come back in. I'm bored. So I know a few parents who are happy to see the end of March break and the beginning of school again today. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the peace and quiet. Because soon enough it'll be summer break. But at least in the summer, you can send them outside and go explore, go play in the dirt. Climb a tree, go fishing, go do something. In the wintertime, especially when you live in a climate that is cold and snowy and not necessarily conducive to outside play, um, it can be a little, little, little trying, a little hard to find things to occupy your child other than plunking them down in front of the TV or letting them play their Xbox or watch YouTube or play on their tablet or whatever. It's hard to find things, especially when you work all day too. Like, you know, you come home and they're bored and they want to do something and they want to see you and it's, it's hard. I know I raised three of them, so they all survived. They're all mostly normal. I would be very disappointed if they were completely normal because that's not how I raised them. Being normal is boring. I want 
interesting and weird and in our house weird is always a compliment so yes if i tell you you're weird take that as a compliment because i like weirdness we always said in our house embrace your weirdness so if i tell you you're weird you know i like you mind you we also have uh a rule in our house that, you know, if I'm nice to you, well, at least my kids tell their friends, if my mom's nice to you, she doesn't like you. But if I pick on you and I tease you, I like you. My dad was the same way. He would call all of my friends, well, most of my friends. There was a couple that he really liked and he, he really got a kick out. He would call them Meathead. And especially my friend Jenny. He would call her Meathead. And, uh, yeah, and her and I still talk to this day. I've known her since grade three. So that's going back through a yeah. Couple of decades at least. A few decades. We'll say a few decades. Yeah, a few decades at least. So Yeah, so if I pick on you, you know I like you. If I'm nice to you. Unless, of course, I'm being nice in a professional capacity. Let's not let's not get that confused here, because I can be very nice in a professional professional capacity, um, especially when I'm wearing my my editor's hat for the World of Myth magazine. Um, I am always very nice, very polite, very cordial to our contributors, because I truly do respect what they're doing. So don't get mistaken there. But I mean, if I know you personally. And we have formed a, a relationship outside of business, a personal relationship. Um, yeah, I'll pick on you if I like you. Just ask anybody who knows me really well. <laughs> I pick on a few people all the time. I pick on my husband mercilessly. Oh, yeah. It's when I'm nice to him that he gets scared. So I would like to take one serious moment and... I'm not going to mention names, but um, all of us here on staff at the World of Myth that know this person send out our heartfelt condolences, and we love you, and we're there for you if you need any of us. Just hey, give us a hoot, give us, give us a holler, and we're here for you. Anyway, okay, so yesterday was St. Patty's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Green beer and big googly glasses and all the stereotypical things that are Irish. <laughs> For all of those that are not. See, I'm Irish, so I don't generally partake in St. Patty's Day. I've never really partaken in St. Patty's Day. It's not a thing for me. Um, being Irish, it's whatever. Uh, I do know some people that are very Irish, as in they still have retained that lovely Irish accent. And uh, they don't do the green beer and goofy glasses and whooping it up and partying. It's just another day for them too, so... But there is a long, drawn-out history about St. Patrick. Let's see. I can't 
I'm on vacation, so I am not picking it out of the top of my brain because I will probably get it wrong. So this says March 17th celebration started in 1631 when the church established a feast day honoring St. Patrick. He had been the patron patron saint blah, 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 of Ireland who had died around the 5th century, a whopping 12 centuries before the modern version of the holiday was first observed. So that's interesting. Now, it's either called St. Patrick's Day or Feast of St. Patrick. I'm not saying it in Irish, in Gaelic, not happening. And it's a cultural and religious celebration on the 17th of March, the traditional death date of St. Patrick, the foremost patron saint of Ireland. So you think about it, it's a celebration, a religious celebration and a cultural for the Irish celebration of the day that their patron saint died. So most people think, oh no, it's time to go to the bar, dress in green, wear the t-shirts that say, kiss me, I'm Irish, drink the green beer, party, and get stupid. But it's actually a celebration of somebody who died. So now it was made an official Christian feast day in the early 17th century and is observed by the Catholic Church. The Anglican Communion, especially the Church of Ireland, and the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Lutheran Church also observe all of this. The day commemorates St. Patrick and the arrival of Christianity in Ireland and celebrates the heritage and culture of the Irish in general. Celebrations generally involve public parades and festivals, and the wearing of green attire or shamrocks. Christians who belong to liturgical denominations also attend church services. Historically, the Lenten restrictions on eating and drinking alcohol were lifted for that day, woohoo, which is encouraged and propagated, and that helped propagate the holiday's tradition of alcohol consumption. Okay, so that's where that going to the bar and getting drunk means stupid means. But it only has meaning if you're observing Lent. If you're not observing Lent, then it's just an excuse for you to go to the bar and drink. Okay? My opinion. I had a glass of wine. Bear with me. St. Patrick's Day is a public holiday in the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, and the Canadian province of Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's for provincial government employees. So it's what we call a stat holiday. And the British Overseas Territory of Montserrat is also widely celebrated by the Irish diaspora around the world, especially in the United Kingdom, Canada, United States, Brazil, Argentina, Australia, and New Zealand. And our hearts go out to those suffering in New Zealand over the latest shooting. What a horrible thing. St. Patrick's Day is celebrated in more countries than any other national festival. Think about that. St. Patrick's Day is one day. And it is celebrated in more countries than any other national festival. Hmm. I guess it's because it's a reason to drink. It's an excuse to drink. Modern celebrations have been greatly influenced by those of the Irish diaspora, particularly those that developed in North America. However, there has been the criticism of St. Patrick's Day celebrations for having become too commercialized and for fostering negative stereotypes of Irish people. And there you have it. 
Is that not what I was saying? I do believe that's what I was saying. You know, I'm on vacation kind of way. Now, Patrick was a 5th century Romano-British Christian missionary and bishop to Ireland. Much of what is known about St. Patrick's comes from the Declaration, which was allegedly written by Patrick himself. So, you know, when somebody writes a declaration about themselves, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, maybe? It is believed that he was born in Roman Britain in the 4th century into a wealthy Romano-British family. His father was a deacon and his grandfather was a priest in the Christian church. According to the Declaration, at the age of 16, he was kidnapped by Irish raiders and taken as a slave to Gaelic Ireland. Oh, what a wonderful story that would make. It says that he spent six, six years there working as a shepherd and that during this time he found God. Oh, did I even hit record? I just realized I may not have hit record. Oh, I did. Look at that. All right. Okay. So the declaration says that God told Patrick to flee to the coast where a ship would be waiting to take him home. Gotta love it when God makes travel plans, like travel reservations for you. Dude, your boat's booked. Go. Okay, after making his way home, Patrick went on to become a priest. Yeah, I think if, if you know, the Almighty spoke directly to me and gave me my travel itinerary, I think I would have to go into service to him. Pretty sure that's a prerequisite. According to tradition, Patrick returned to Ireland to convert the pagan Irish to Christianity. The Declaration says that he spent many years evangelizing in the northern half of Ireland and converted thousands Patrick's efforts against the Druids were eventually turned into an allegory in which he drove the snakes out of Ireland, despite the fact that the snakes were not known to inhabit the region. Now, that tale itself about St. Patrick driving the pagans or the Druids out of Ireland, that's a hot topic of debate within the pagan and esoteric and old religion community. So I'm not even going to touch on that. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to debate or discuss that because it is such a hot topic. Anyway, carrying on. Tradition holds that he died on the 17th of March and was buried in Downpatrick. Over the following centuries, many legends grew up around Patrick and he became Ireland's foremost saint. So, as with most people who write a really good blurb about themselves and sell it to a whole bunch of people, when you die, you become a legend. And then all of that folklore and propaganda and good PR, people start believing. Just... uh, Not saying that it isn't true, I'm just pointing that out. Today, St. Patrick's Day celebrations have been greatly influenced by those that developed among the Irish diaspora, especially in North America. Until the late 20th century, St. Patrick's Day was often a bigger celebration among the diaspora than it was in Ireland. And I'm probably not saying that word right, but I don't care. Celebrations generally involve public parades and festivals, Irish traditional music, sessions, and the wearing of green attire or shamrocks. There are also formal gatherings, such as banquets and dances, although these were more common in the past. St. Patrick's Day parades began in North America in the 18th century, but did not spread to Ireland. Now, let me, let me, let me read that again for those in the back. All right. 
St. Patrick's Day parades began in North America in the 18th century, but did not spread to Ireland until the 20th century. St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland. And yet, these parades began in North America two centuries before they started in Ireland. So Ireland was not doing parades for this saint. Just, just let that roll around in your head for a minute. The participants generally included marching bands, the military, fire brigades, cultural organizations, charitable organizations, voluntary associations, youth groups, fraternities, and so on. However, over time, many of the parades have become more akin to a carnival. More effort is made to use the Irish language, especially in Ireland, where the week of St. Patrick, the, where the week of St. Patrick's Day is Irish language week, or Gaelic. Since 2010, famous landmarks have been lit up in green on St. Patrick's Day as part of Tourism Ireland's Global Greening Initiative, or Going Green for St. Patrick's Day. The Sydney Opera House and the Sky Tower in Auckland were the first landmarks to participate. And since then, over 300 landmarks in 50 countries across the globe have gone green for St. Patrick's Day. Christians may also attend church services, and the Lenten restrictions on eating and drinking alcohol, as we already know, are lifted for that day. Perhaps because of this, drinking alcohol, particularly Irish whiskey, beer, or cider, has become an integral part of the celebrations. Okay, beer, it's cheap. Beer is cheap. Just saying. St. Patrick's Day custom of drowning the shamrock or wetting the shamrock was historically popular, especially in Ireland. At the end of the celebrations, a shamrock is put into the bottom of a cup, which is then filled with whiskey, beer, or cider. It is then drunk to a toast to St. Patrick, Ireland, or those present. The shamrock would either be swallowed with the drink or taken out and tossed over the shoulder for good luck, kind of like salt. Irish government ministers travel abroad on official visits to various countries across the globe to celebrate St. Patrick's Day and promote Ireland. The most prominent of these is the visit of the Irish, and I'm not pronouncing that word, forget it, it means Irish Prime Minister, with the U.S. President, which happens on or around St. Patrick's Day. It'd be interesting to see if that happens this year. I don't think it did. I don't recall. Hmm. I'd have to look into that to see if the Irish Prime Minister met with the U.S. President this year. Hmm. Traditionally, the Irish Prime Minister presents the U.S. President a Waterford crystal bowl filled with shamrocks. This tradition began in 1952. Irish Ambassador to the U.S. John Hearn sent a box of shamrocks to President Harry S. Truman. From then on, it became an annual tradition of the Irish ambassador to the U.S. to present the St. Patrick's Day shamrock to the official in the U.S. President's administration, although on some occasions the shamrock presentation was made by the Irish Prime Minister or Irish President to the U.S. President personally in Washington. As such, when President Dwight D. Eisenhower met Irish Prime Minister John A. Costello in 1956, and President Sean T. O'Kelly in 1959, or when President Ronald Reagan met Irish Prime Minister Garrett Fitzgerald in 1986, and Irish Prime Minister, because that's the same word, Charles J. Hockey in 1987. 
However, it was only after the meeting between Irish Prime Minister Albert Reynolds and President Bill Clinton in 1994 that the presenting of the Shamrock Ceremony became an annual event for the leaders of both countries for St. Patrick's Day. Interesting. I have a feeling it was probably the ambassador to Ireland to the ambassador of the United States. I don't think that the Prime Minister and the President met. Now, it's customary to wear shamrocks, green clothing, or green accessories on St. Patrick's Day. And it is said to have used the shamrock, a three-leafed plant, to explain the Holy Trinity to the pagan Irish. Now, this story first appears in writing in 1726, though it may be older. In pagan Ireland, three was a significant number, and the Irish had many triple deities, a fact that may have aided St. Patrick in his evangelization efforts. Patricia Monaghan says there is no evidence that the shamrock was sacred to the pagan Irish. However, Jack Santino speculates that it may have represented the regenerative powers of nature and was recast in a Christian context. See, told you, hotbed of debate. Uh, Icons of St. Patrick's often depict the saint with a cross in one hand and a sprig of shamrocks in the other. Roger Holman writes, we can perhaps see St. Patrick drawing upon the visual concept of the Triscali. Again, that's another, that's another word. Triscal, Triscali, however you want to pronounce it, I don't care. When he uses the shamrock to explain the Trinity. So there, there's your St. Patrick's Day lesson. I could go on and on and on and on and apparently on and on. Holy jumping and on. This just goes on. For, but I'm not going to because bored. <laughs> so we're going to move on. Yeah, I'm on vacation. So like I said, I have nothing planned. I am on our annual yearly anniversary trip. We usually take it earlier in November or oh my gosh, earlier in March, closer to our anniversary, but things happened, family happened, stuff happened. And it didn't get planned until this weekend. So. All right. I just had to explain to my child who is home watching all the critters. I'm podcasting. Can't talk. Mommy's busy. Love you. Bye-bye. So. What'd you guys all do for St. Patrick's Day? I had a glass of wine, watched some TV, and I podcasted. And y'all are going to be hearing this tomorrow, so it'll be Monday. I'll be driving, so I won't be podcasting. Oh, I do want to say um, thank you to all of those that listened to last week's podcast and passed along their condolences on the death of my friend. Um, It was greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. And it really touched me that you would take the time to send along a uh, your condolences to me. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I really, really do. Okay. So I don't know if you guys follow my Facebook page. You can catch me over at Stephanie Barty author. That's my Facebook page. My Instagram is again, Stephanie Barty author. And my Twitter is at Lupa L-U-P as in persnickety A. B, capital B, Lupa B. 
I've been posting a lot of pictures of where I am and the scenery around me. And if you're from Ontario, then you'll know when I say I am up um, in the Ottawa Valley. And I'm in, I'm not far from Calabogie, up by Renfrew, Arn Prior, all that area. It's very mountainous. There are lots of mountains. Lots of mountains. When you drive anywhere, you're driving up mountains and then you're driving down mountains or you're driving around mountains or you're driving through mountains. Um, so there's mountains everywhere. And the pressure in my ears has been telling me that, yes, we're in the mountains because every time I go up, I have to pop my ears. And I wake up in the morning and my ears are plugged. Uh, we're out in a little cabin that we rent every year and it's at a resort. Um, they rent these cabins in the summer and there's fishing and swimming and there's a beach and trails and, but in the winter there's nobody here. So we come up and we get to experience the peace and the quiet. There's no light pollution. There's no noise pollution. It is dead quiet out there. You hear the animals traipsing through the bush. You hear all of the, the night bird. I call them birds because they sound like birds. Um, everywhere you drive, you go 10 minutes and you see a group, a herd of deer, like five or six of them just standing there. And I've posted pictures of the ones that we've seen today. And I had mentioned to my husband while we were out earlier today that, you know what the one thing is that we haven't seen when we've been up there? A fox. I haven't seen a fox. And I see foxes at home all the time. And we see koi wolves or kai wolves and deer every once in a while. You see them. But we hadn't seen any foxes up at the cabin. Wow. Sitting on the couch, watching TV, waiting for dinner. And I look out the window, which happens to be right beside me. And there's this fox, this beautiful red fox. And he was healthy. He had a nice big bushy tail. And he was long and lean and, and he looked good. And he's running around and the people that run the resort, they work on the property as well. And they had all the trucks parked over by their man cave. And he was running around the side of the trucks. And then he would come running back and it looked like he had something. I don't know if he was eating chunks of bread that they may have thrown out for the squirrels or the birds because there are a ton of chickadees up here. But he would come running back around and get down behind the snowbank and I could see him clearly because I was on the other, I was on the same side of the snowbank. And he'd be munch, 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 munch. And then he would jump up and he would run back around and there was this raven sitting up in the tree right above him, watching him. And he would caw every time he would come back with more food. And he would gobble that up. And then he would run back around. Well, finally, the raven swooped down to see what, I guess, the fox was eating. So then the two of them were swooping in and swooping out and swooping in and swooping out. Uh, it was it was quite fun to watch. And I did get some video of that that I posted on my Instagram. And um, I had posted, it posted to my Twitter and I posted pictures of him that I got, and I posted a video of him running all around, having a grand old time. And he was just the absolute cutest thing. So, of course, as soon as I saw the fox, and I looked at my husband and went, okay, 
We haven't seen any moose or bear, so I'm going to be very careful driving home tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to go very slowly and make sure that I don't run into a moose or a bear. Because that would not be, that would not make my day. I am driving a rental. Um, I am driving an absolutely lovely rental. I've never driven anything that has, uh, well, when I got into it, it had a little over 2,000 kilometers on it. I mean, we're talking brand spanking new. Brand spanking new. It still had factory new smell in it. It's a 2019 Ford Fusion. I got into it, and of course, I'm only five foot three, and I have short legs. My torso is long, but I have short legs. So I had to adjust the seat. So I adjust the seat to where it's all nice and comfortable for me. And I get it raised up to where I want it, and pulled up to where I want it, and I put my seatbelt on, and I drive off. And there's not a gear shift. There's not a gear shift on the column. It's not in the console beside you. It's a dial. A dial. You turn it from park to drive or to reverse. It's a dial. It's really weird. And I'm like terrified. I'm going to knock it while we're driving and put it into reverse or something. Um, so get to the house to pick up my husband and I turn the car off. Scared. Talk about scaring the living daylights out of me. The seat moved back from where I had it. It moved back. I went, what the hell? The seat moved. So I get out of the car. I'm going to have to put it back up again. Uh. We load up, get back in the car, start the car. The seat moves forward back to where I had originally had it set. Oh my God, this car knows where I like to be. And it pulls the seat back. Pull. It's it's a very gentlemanly car. It pulls my seat out so that I can get out gracefully. It's lovely. I just love it. And it's got, oh, my husband's playing with all the buttons and all the the different features on the screen and the navigation and the radio and the temperature control because he can control his own temperature on his side and I can control the temperature on my side and the heated seats and yeah it's a really nice car it has really nice headlights it's very bright uh, it's the kind of headlights that I hate driving towards I don't like don't mind being in the car that has them. I hate driving towards the car that has them because, you know, you can't see. Um, but yeah, it's a nice car. It's not the car I would have chosen to bring up here. There's been a few side trips that we usually take that we haven't because A, we are in the mountains and B, it's, it was raining when we came up on Friday, and then it dropped down below zero um, about 22, 23 for you Americans. Um, so everything that was wet is now frozen and slippery. And I don't, I don't understand why a car rental place where I live would rent a car that has all-season tires on it. Put winter tires on the car. If you're going to rent a car in the winter in our area, put winter tires on the car. So I'm driving the car with all seasons. So I'm not entirely comfortable in taking it to the places that we usually do because I don't know the car and I don't trust the tires. And it's a very low car to the ground. Like it's a Ford Fusion. It's a low car. 
so I'm not feeling real comfortable. I mean, we did take it down to the dam, uh, which is one of our favorite places because you are guaranteed there's deer feeding stations in there. You are guaranteed to see deer when you go down there. And it's just so beautiful. Um, you go down the one side to the dam and then you cross over the bridge, which is over the river there. And the dam is on the one side, the river's on the other side. And then you start going up the mountain on the other side. And there's a spot about halfway up the mountain that you can get out and take a picture. I mean, it's not a regulated spot or anything. It's just, there's enough room on the side of the road that you can pull over and get a really beautiful picture looking down into the river and the mountain on the other side. And you kind of feel like you're looking down. If there was a village, you would be looking down on Whoville. It's just a really beautiful spot. Um, yes, there are power lines everywhere. It is a hydro dam, which I do believe it is a hydro dam. I could be wrong, but anyway, um, it's just, it's a gorgeous area. I just love it. So yeah, it's been a lovely vacation so far. Um, I have done, all right, I got that. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's not a lie that it's been a lovely vacation. It has been a lovely vacation. I was going to say I have not done done absolutely no work on the magazine this weekend at all, but that is a lie. I have read a couple of things. Um, before I had come, I had made a few people aware that their stories had been approved. Um, today, I downloaded the rest of them from the email onto my computer and sent off to somebody else who, okay, now I want to just say this, this person who submitted um, had sent their stuff in Google Docs, which is great. You know, Google Docs is a fantastic thing. The only problem is I can't read it. I have to request permission, which means I have to sign into my personal Google account because I don't have a World of Myth Google account linked to the email account. So when I go, it uses my personal email. So I have to request permission from the author to get into these Google Docs to read them. So now that's dragging out the time frame that I have to read. And he sent quite a selection of things for me to read. Um, but now I have to wait for his response to, um, cause he sent a bunch of them. So there are a bunch of approvals now that he has to say, yes, you can look at this. 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 Yes. And so on and so forth. So as great as Google Docs is, if you store your things on Google Docs, awesome. That's the, I store a lot of things on Google Docs because I like to be able to access my writing from everywhere. And I don't always have my laptop with me. Uh, but when you're sending them in, if you could put them in a dot doc format on, like use a computer and attach it as attach the document itself to the email instead of a link to Google Docs, I would be forever grateful. It would speed up the process for both parties. Um, and because I sent in the requests 
Well, the first round I sent in, I didn't get a response. So, and that was a week ago, I think. So I requested again because I thought maybe he just kind of saw, I don't know who this person is. So I requested again and that was earlier today and I'm still waiting for his response because I'm it says I'm supposed to get an email when he when permission has been granted to look at these and still waiting and it's now the 18th which means we go to um coding and mag like final mag prep in four or five days well i just checked so it looks like i can get in but i didn't i never got an email saying that i could so if i'm sitting here waiting for an email and i don't get said email i'm not going to keep checking because i have i mean you've seen the size of the magazine people <laughs> but i mean i understand if you can't put it into a program on your computer and like in you can use libreoffice you can use Microsoft Word. I personally don't use Microsoft Word because when the subscription ended, I had another program on my computer that was perfectly free called LibreOffice 5. And it is exactly the same as Microsoft Word. All of the same things. It also has the uh, a program that is equivalent to Excel. So I didn't see the point in paying to use a program I already had that just had a different name. But yeah, so just to, just to, and I'm going to read something and I'm not allowed and I got to wait until somebody says, yes, you can. And it just frustrates me. So, okay, I'm done whining now. <laughs> I'm done whining. <sighs> going to be a good issue this month. I, we have a lot of interesting things. Um, I haven't gone over everything yet. So, like I said, I've kind of been slacking this month. I don't know if it's, not really slacking, but just, and I don't even want to say overwhelmed because I guess it's just the end of winter blues. I've had enough of the cold and the snow and the dead looking trees and the no green leaves and the no pretty flowers and the no grass and having to wear three layers and a coat every time I just want to step outside of my house. So I've been, I've been working an awful lot too and write, trying to write and I just, I need to get a day timer and better manage my time and, and schedule time for things because my, um, habit of flying by the seat of my pants and just kind of doing things and going, yeah, okay, I'll do that later. And then doing it later is not working. (laughs) 
Now, don't take, don't get me wrong. There will be no neglect in any of the submissions this month or any portion of the magazine. I will give it absolutely everything that I have, as I always do. I'm just saying, I have been a little slack this month, and I feel very sorry for the coder, because he is going to get everything all at once. And it's probably going to be a couple of days before release. So he'll be coding for at least three days straight. But, you know... (laughs) i sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. You'll still love me. Because, you know, you have to. I work for you. And really? Do you want to do all this? Just, you know. <laughs> I know. I can easily be... I shouldn't get too cocky. Because in all reality, I can easily be replaced. I really can. Um, never get too cocky. Ever. Because you can be replaced. That meme that you see on Facebook that says, you know your position will be filled before your obituary is printed in the paper is true. Yes, I know I will be missed, but the magazine will carry on without me. And it will carry on very well without me. I am not... No, I am no... By no means... I've been doing this for, what, two months? That's it. (laughs) Y'all be good without me. I'm not going anywhere right now, but y'all be good without me. So, speaking of the magazine, go check it out, www.theworldofmyth.com. Read everybody's stories, vote, comment. If you're inspired, submit something. We take short stories, we take flash fiction, we take poetry, we take artwork, whatever. Throw it our way. If it doesn't fit, I'll shoot you an email back and say, you know, that's not quite tone it down a little or clean it up a little, whatever. But you won't know until you try. Just ask our member of the month, Christopher Weiss. You never know until you try. And I do have to make a correction because he did correct me when I said that he was hesitant at sending something in. He was not hesitant. He was terrified. So, again, there's a perfect example for you. You never know until you try. He submitted something, being absolutely terrified to do so, and ended up winning Member of the Month. Now, how you win Member of the Month has absolutely nothing to do with those of us that work for the magazine. You promote your own story. You tell your friends that it's out there. And all of our readership, which we have thousands across the United States and Canada, they vote on it. It's their opinion, not ours. We have nothing to do with it. Because I did have a couple of people asking me, you know, how do you get to be member of the month? Well, people vote. Your friends, your family, complete strangers vote on what you have submitted. And those votes are tallied. And when they vote, they get a star rating. And those star ratings are tallied. And that is how you become member of the month. You have the most likable, the most liked piece. The most people voted on it. And they voted it highly on it. So 
There you go. That's how that happens. Um, getting on to the cover. That is entirely in the hands of the publisher. Not me. Buttering me up. Bribing me. Although it's fun. Will not get you on the cover of the magazine. I have nothing to do with that. I take your submissions and I send them along. I decide what I'm going to submit. And I send it along. So. There you go. That is how the magazine is put together. Anyway, I think um, I'm 44 minutes in. I think I'm going to plug the magazine one more time, give you all my contact information so you can stalk the hell out of me and I can ignore you completely. Yes, little troll, I do know you're listening. Go ahead. Try again. I will just block you again. And I will carry on. Because the significance of your life and the feelings you have towards me mean absolutely nothing to me. You are a troll. Crawl back under your bridge. You have always been a troll. Sorry. Just throwing that out there. A friend of mine has having a problem with a stalker, and it reminded me of the stalker that I have. And she pops up every once in a while and throws something out there. And uh, I have to stuff her back under her bridge. And carry on. She is a very miserable person and likes to make others around her miserable and likes to destroy friendships and people. And I won't allow her to do that to me or influence me. She has no power over me. Anyway, so you want to check out the magazine, www.theworldofmyth.com. Or you can check out the podcast on Facebook at T-W-O-M-M as in Mary, B-P. So T-W-O-M-B-P on Facebook. Or just put in the World of Myth Bits and you'll find our page. You can give us a follow. Go and check out the World of Myth magazine on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Keep up to date on what's going on. We publish a Did You Know every Friday. And there's quite a few Did You Knows that I did not know. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at Stephanie Barty Author. You can follow me on Twitter at Lupa B. You can follow me on Instagram at Stephanie Barty Author. And then you can check out my website, which I have not updated, but will be doing soon. And that is www.stephaniebardy.me because it's all about me. And that is it for this episode of The World of Myth Bits. And I will chat with you all next week. Have a good one. See ya. <laughs> The world of Mythbits.